Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Don Corey. He's the author of the book, When to Say Yes, The Five Steps to Protect Your Time. And I know in the past, we've talked on this show about the power of saying no and having roadblocks up and boundaries, but... Don talks about how and when to say yes and having a positive spin and a decision-making rubric to be able to triage requests as they come into you. We talk about having a roadmap for that, having a relationship hierarchy, as well as what the quality of the request coming in dictates about whether that should be a yes or not, prioritizing and even reprioritizing and delegating if you can and should. Ultimately, you're going to walk away from this conversation having a better understanding of how to defend and block out your time for what's most important to get done and reduce the stress when it comes to decision making for all those requests you're getting bombarded with. So I'll get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with Don Corey. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Don Corey. Don, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Eric. Uh, Looking forward to a productive conversation. Yes. Well, and that is actually the title of a friend's podcast, so I won't won't use that. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay. Uh, Yeah, my friend Mike Vardy does a show. It used to be called Productivityist, and I guess I'll do a quick plug here. He's been on the show many times. It used to be called Productivityist. It's now called A Productive Conversation. In case nobody knew that, go check it out. Free ad spot there for my friend, Mike Vardy. But this will be a productive conversation. Last time I'll say that. And uh, (laughs) you've got a great brand new book out called When to Say Yes, The Five Steps to Protect Your Time. And we've talked about saying no before, saying no to things, and that always kind of slants negatively. You know, we're saying no to things. We're, we're telling people that we can't do things, or we're delegating, or we're putting up boundaries. And you've got a lot of decades, in fact, you've got a lot of studying on productivity. Yes. And I'm curious, what led you to this slant? What is the difference of perspective that you're proposing here by phrasing this as when to say yes? Yeah, great question. It's interesting because the early versions of the title were actually when to say no. And as I got more and more into the research, what I learned is we don't like to say no. People don't like to say no. We associate more pain of saying no today than we do with the pain of potentially having too much to do later. So many productivity experts talk about the importance of saying no, and many others teach us how to say no. 
But if we can just flip that on its head and have a decision process for when to say yes, then the rest becomes pretty obvious. Okay. From my perspective, it's almost a saying yes is kind of a special privilege. And so I want to make sure that my goals, my time, my actions, all those good things, and we'll get into all of that, that everything's aligned, in other words, for me to unlock and say yes to an opportunity. Well said. I couldn't have said it better myself. Perfect. So what is your background here that leads you to this? Like, Why did you land on this being the topic and the time for this book? Well, as you mentioned, many years of studying this really as a student of just the personal productivity space, which all started back when I attended a David Allen seminar back in 1990 and becoming really just so interested in this space of personal productivity. And I always felt like there was something missing. Uh, You know, I stand on the shoulders of great productivity experts over time. And so when I, I did some research, And specifically, the research was around this question of how do we evaluate requests for our time? In other words, how do we decide that what gets on our plate to begin with? Because then, you know, there's plenty of things out there to help us manage our plate. So that was what I found in the research was that was that missing link of making that decision right up front and being clear about it and and having a process for it. Interesting. So it's not just about the why behind why we need to protect our time. It's that if we don't have that upfront, you know, a thought process or, you know, people often refer to the phrase triage that as requests come in, right. That if we don't have any kind of pre-planned decision-making rubric, then we automatically are saying yes to everything, which we know is also impossible, but it can feel like we've said yes to everything all at once, every time. Yeah, it kind of becomes our default because, again, we don't want to say no. It's better for relationships if we say yes, at least in the short term, may not be in the long term. So, yeah, that becomes the default. And it's interesting if we just are aware that we can have an evaluation process, even if you haven't read the book and you don't know specifically what the good decision making or evaluation process is, just that thought alone can help narrow the gap of when you say yes and when you say no. Right. Even an initial, I don't have to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Even having that one little inkling of awareness, it even being a decision. Often people go through life and don't know that there is a decision to be made. Yes. Well said. So interesting. Okay. So then I definitely want to be careful here not to say, hey, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Don't think that just because we're talking about yes, we're also not talking about no and boundaries because you definitely need those. You're talking about it. Actually, you're tapping into a psychological thing when you say, you know, we want to say yes. So you're giving us permission to say yes, but under certain conditions or through a certain lens or a certain process. So if if we want to start saying yes more often – or I should say, say yes to the more and most important opportunities. How do we start to go through these five steps that you have to protect our time? Well, let's let's get the five steps on the table. Yeah. So the first thing you need is a roadmap. And that was when I spoke with the most productive leaders and C-level executives, they all have some version of a roadmap in which they measure against when they get a request for their time. 
Does it fit in the roadmap? And if it does, great, I can evaluate the us. Or if it doesn't, then I need to either delegate it or bounce it or occasionally maybe change the roadmap. Sometimes that'll happen on an important enough opportunity. The second is get clear about your relationship hierarchy. I'm I'm getting a lot of great feedback on this particular point because it's something that's somewhat subconscious for us. And the idea of a relationship hierarchy is you'll give more weight to a request to certain people, maybe your boss or a client or a spouse, than you will to other people. So who's asking is another key question here. The third is the quality of the request. Is the requester really respectful of your time? Have they fully thought through all the implications of the request? Do they have solutions? Those are some of the things that make a quality request. And then the key part, number four, is prioritize and reprioritize. The best leaders that worked for me in my corporate experience were the ones that responded to a request from me for a new project with, happy to do that, Don. Can you just let me know where that fits on the priority list? And then we'd look at it together and decide where it fit, if it fit at all. And so we have to be good at reprioritizing and knowing where exactly it fits on our priority list. And the fifth thing that the most productive people did and do consistently is they delegate. Who can I get this to? Uh, We can talk more about that. There's some interesting surprises that come along with that step. Yeah, man. So to clarify with the roadmap specifically, is that really, I mean, a lot of people are thinking, okay, I, I, I think I understand But is that just like a generalized, like, this is where I'm headed? Or are these concrete plans and goals broken down into projects? What's your perspective there? So visualize this. Visualize time across the Y-axis. And think about that in terms of quarters. We're approaching the end of the year here. So perfect time for, for planning Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. And then across the X axis, you have categories of work. For example, maybe a business category, a personal category, a relationship category. And within those, you're setting very specific goals. Maybe a goal is going to last a month or two, so it fits in one quarter. Maybe there's a goal that lasts one year or two years that could span quarters. And there's a whole section in the book I talk about a new goal setting process where you can get really crystal clear about what that goal looks like that fits on the roadmap. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so is there a sequential order or does it really matter is the other, I think, probably rising to the top question people listening will have. Mm -hmm. I put it in this order for a reason, because if it doesn't fit on your roadmap, that it's almost like an important sanity check of really, it doesn't even warrant me going through the rest. Like, I'm not going to think about prioritizing or reprioritizing if it doesn't fit on my roadmap. So there is some thought to putting it in this order specifically. Okay. Well, and it seems to me that the two top, and and they also happen to be the first two, roadmap as well as relationship hierarchy, seem to be the biggest indicators or maybe directional pathfinders for a request. I mean, immediately if something comes in and it's at the highest level of my relationship hierarchy, which most likely is my wife in my instance, then Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. figure out, okay, it's a default. Okay. Figure out where that goes and what it needs to be. And regardless of the roadmap, although that could then come into question too, maybe in a, in a Venn diagram type of way. But then again, if she's bringing it up, it's probably ought to be on the roadmap, right? Right. right. (laughs) Or if your boss says, Hey, Eric, I think this is worth replanning your roadmap. Well, because it's your boss, maybe you pay more attention to it. Or you have a huge client opportunity that's maybe going to double your business. Maybe you have to rethink your roadmap there as well. So they certainly link together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really key piece there is that if you've got those immediate lenses or immediate Let's I'll call them filters that as soon Mm -hmm. as a request. Yeah. You know, as a as a request is coming in immediately checking to see if it's on the roadmap or fits on the roadmap in some way to aid something that you're already doing or planning on doing soon. You don't have to say no and you don't have to say yes. You can say yes, but not yet. Then you kind of get to procrastinate it on purpose. I love that because I didn't address this in the book at all. And I get this question a lot of, well, when I do say no, how do I say no? And that's one of the the great ways of saying no is just not right now. Check back with me in six months. 
or three months or, or a year or whatever the time frame is. Yeah. So yeah, great point, Eric. And that's a great way. I mean, it's a, it's a deferring of the no or the yes. It's a no right now, but it may not mm-hmm. be a no forever. And, and again, you know that based on roadmap, but also relationship hierarchy as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So agreed. It then seems to me that the other three really are. I mean, I guess let's spend some time here. Quality of requests. So let me put it this way. I get a lot of requests to be on this show, and Mm. it really is the quality of the request that makes or breaks that yes or no for me. I mean, that's a real, real world example of how this plays out for me, especially. And how do I'm curious, how do you determine that? What does a quality request look like to you for being on the podcast? That's a great question. You know what? This is almost, I might need to just say right now, all right, if you want to be on the show, here's how you get on. And that's not to say that it's going to even be a yes every time, even if you do a quality request. This is just mm-hmm. how you don't get deleted pretty soon after or, or <laughs> right. re- replied to with a, this is not a fit for my show, which there's the one right there is I get so many people who they don't do their research. They don't look to see what type of show this is that it's mm. based on and focused on productivity. Now, obviously, it's called Beyond the To-Do List for a reason, but all of the topics come back to fitting into productivity. I don't want to talk to a venture capitalist kind of person about entrepreneurship specifically and how to make money. That is not a fit for this show. So right away, that's out. Mm -hmm. It needs to also not be a very lengthy email because if I've got to take all this time to read through it, to decipher what you're saying and, you know, that, that, that is already, again, uh, I'm, I'm automatically going to throw that in my maybe pile and eventually maybe get to it or not. So, yeah. Well, I have uh, – I quote one of the uh, C-level executives that I interviewed for this in the book, and she says something like, if you can't express yourself in about a paragraph in email, then either you need to figure out how to be more clear or there's something wrong with your request. So she really expected really crisp, clear, clean email supporting your point. That's exactly right. And, and the best ones are the ones where – They don't right up front say, hey, I love your show. I just checked out this recent episode because it's easy to look and see what the title of an episode is and just Mm -hmm. throw it in an email. That doesn't do anything for me. Don't try to flatter me. Instead, what you need to do is say, I think I've got a great fit for your show. It's this person. Actually, skip the credentials first. Tell me what their value is. Tell me what their topic is and what they can bring list it out maybe a little bit and then link to some of their either social presence or that new book that's coming out and give me the title for that because ultimately that's going to be what immediately catches me and gets me hooked to say, oh, there's something here. Let me dig a little deeper and then reply and say yes. That's Mm -hmm. really it. Short, sweet, concise. This is the value this person brings and don't belabor it over across two, three, four paragraphs. Yeah. And all of that. So that there's the secret right there. There you go. So for any, anyone listening, now you know <laughs> how to get on. Yeah. And it's it's really consistent with some of the steps that, that are components that I outline as a quality request, which is it's clear and concise, right? We don't want multi-paragraph emails here. It's well thought out so they know how they fit in. It's respectful of your time as well. So all of that uh, really aligns nicely. We're, we're thinking along the same lines there. Yeah. I'm glad we were able to kind of, you know, Venn diagram the quality of request with a real world application. Mm -hmm. So I think 
ultimately, then once we've checked the roadmap to see if it even fits, we've seen how it fits in with our relational hierarchy. And obviously, the quality of the request is almost the first thing that's going to appear to us is mm-hmm. if all three of those things, if it kind of passes the muster test at that point and we say yes, then it's more of a, okay, can we prioritize and or reprioritize as well as number five? Can we delegate this? If it's not something I'm going to do outright, is it still worth doing and somebody else doing for me or with me? Yes. And the prioritization is so important because remember, I I referenced those productive leaders that worked for me. They had a priority list. The ones that don't have a priority list are the ones that aren't really going to be clear about where things fit and more likely to say yes. You know that that old saying, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And I think that's true, but for different reasons than we think. I think the busy people are overworking themselves, working more hours than they want to or maybe even need to, and probably subconsciously sacrificing other things to handle all the requests because they're busy because busy isn't always good. So get crystal clear about your ranked priority list from one to N. That's going to help you on step number four, for sure. Perfect. What about delegation in terms of, it might be something that we want to do ourselves. We want to say yes. In fact, it, it ends up being a yes, but our time is already so full. And I think the thing is, is here, as we process this, as we learn to say yes at the right time and in the right way, our time will be thinned out or we'll, sure. we'll create more margin, in other words. So we'll have the ability to say yes to even more of the right things as we practice this. But there's still going to be times where it just does not make sense. For example, for me, like to edit this show. And so delegating that to somebody else makes complete sense. Yeah, that's a great example of delegation. And again, you're going to want all four of the first four steps to align before you're even ready to delegate it. So you can focus on other more appropriate activities, maybe call it higher value activities of more appropriate activities that, first of all, you love to do. And also that maybe you're the only one that can do it in in your world. And that was one of the key reasons that these C-level executive delegated. But the other key thing, the other key reason, which was more surprising, was they were very conscious about delegating in a way that created a growth opportunity for someone else. So yes, number one, how do I get it off my plate? But number two, how can the other person grow as a result of taking on this project and the interaction? And I just really loved that leadership development opportunity built into delegation. So looking at it not as a task per se that you have to do, but an opportunity for somebody else to learn or grow by taking that on, by owning it, and ultimately by executing it. Yes. Yes, exactly right. Very cool. Okay. So those are the five steps, but I want to kind of go back around to the roadmap again real quick here, because we all probably should sit down and have a discussion in terms of delegation, when it comes to our team, whether that's up or down on the food chain from where we are. Same thing with prioritizing and and reprioritizing. And we talked at length a little bit about quality of request and relationship hierarchy. That's something where it's like, okay, you should kind of know what are the closest circles that you have in your life and who is in them. And I encourage everybody 
if you haven't taken a moment to do that at some point, definitely do that. It's really helpful. It's it's who has your phone number or who can text you other than spammers. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> who has what level of contact or VIP access to you, in other words, and how far out. It kind of goes in hand in hand with quality of request because the quality of the request is going to increase. Even if it's not the greatest quality, it's going to leapfrog a couple of levels if it's a closer circle. Yes, So correct. You'll spend more time and dig into it. You'll be more willing to work through the layers of the onion if it's a higher person on your relationship hierarchy, for sure. Yeah. But going back all the way to the beginning of the steps with roadmap, not just saying, okay, this is the existing roadmap, but I know that you have something called the seven C's of goal setting. I would love to spend some time talking about that in terms of how do we set these goals and how do we set them up? So that our roadmap is easy to glance at and even have in our head at times for when these requests come in. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, this is many many people know about SMART goals. I'm sure your listeners, they're interested in the space of productivity, you know about SMART goals. I've used SMART goals for years and they can be confusing sometimes because the letters can mean different things. A can be achievable or attainable or agreed or R can be realistic or reasonable. So I dug into it a bit and I created the seven C's because there were other things fitting into these most productive people's goals and my own goals that weren't quite captured in SMART. So the, so the first one is crystal, which is kind of like specific and SMART. If we can get crystal clear about our goal, so clear that like a ninth grader or a fifth grader can understand it then we know where we have the right start. So like, I want to lose weight. I I use that example. I want to lose weight. That's clear. We know what it is. It's crystal. It's pretty easy to understand. The next thing is it needs to be computable. We need to know when we've achieved the goal. How do we know? How can we quantify that we've achieved the goal? Now, sometimes that's pretty easy. Like I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay. I can quantify that. I can compute that pretty easily. I can get on the scale every day. And sometimes you have to dig a little deeper. Like, uh, you know, one of my clients has a goal to be a better listener. Okay, well, we have to think about how can we measure that? But we, you know, if, if you dig pretty deep, you can come up with a way to compute that as well. The next one I think is missing from SMART, which is compelling, compelling. So, The difference between people that really achieve their goals consistently and those who don't is they have compelling reasons to keep them on track. We get off track all the time. We get so many distractions in our lives because billions of dollars are spent on getting your attention everywhere. So it's going to be easy to get pulled off track. What's going to get us back on track is that compelling reason. Why are we doing this? So for example, I want to lose weight so I can look great in my clothes or I can look great in a bathing suit or I can stay off medication, whatever the compelling reason is there. Creative is also where we get to have some fun. Like, okay, how can I lose weight and enjoy the process? Maybe it's also an opportunity to stretch it a bit. How can I lose maybe 15 pounds instead of 10 pounds? Or how can I lose weight and improve my body fat? So creative is the fourth C. So crystal, computable, compelling, creative, calendared. So smart has something like this, which is timely, right? Or time bound is what the T is. But I'm taking it a step further. Don't just set a target date, but actually put it on your calendar. That's when we know we're going to get it done. When we put it on our calendar, 
So, you know, the book may be a good example on that is I was able to get that done because I blocked time on my calendar every single day to work on it. Otherwise, it's just a dream. And it was for many years until I got some progress on it. So the sixth C is celebrated because now once we've set the goal, just setting the goal, that's a reason to celebrate because you're ahead of 95% of the population by just getting that far on goal setting. And then celebrate the milestones along the way. And of course, celebrate when you get it done, because when we do that, our brains just recognize that's a good thing and we want more of it. So celebrated is the sixth C. And then the seventh is communicated. And once you have it all documented and you've celebrated it, now you can go out and tell people about it. Tell the people that you know are going to support you in this quest. You know, I'll use the book again as an example, because I I initially didn't want to share. I'm like, well, you know, what if it's not really good? Or what if I don't finish it? Or what if people don't really care? I'm, I'm going to just keep it to myself until it's done. And my book coach encouraged me to just get out there and talk about the process. People are love to see behind the scenes. They love to see the process. Talk about that, share that. And guess what? Once they started doing that, well, first of all, it became fun because people did enjoy it. But second of all, there's no backing down now. Like You got to get it done because you put yourself out there. So crystal, computable, compelling, creative, calendared, celebrated, and communicated. Perfect. So is there a relationship then between these seven C's, which sounds like we're sailing? Um, <laughs> it does. Right. And the roadmap. What do you see as the relationship there? Yeah. Well, I, you know, this is an interesting connection, Eric, because maybe I should have done it more of like a C map or something versus a roadmap. <laughs> I, I hadn't really ever thought about that before that, but that's really interesting. Uh, yes, the, the connection is very clear. And this is in the roadmap chapter because what goes on your roadmap is a goal that has all seven of those components. So it's a goal that looks like, uh, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds by June 30th, because I want to look good in a bathing suit. And that's actually what goes on your roadmap. Yeah, I I think that this is almost the pre-work to then having the roadmap to then when the request comes in, you know, and and, and most people, they haven't even thought through to be fair, some people have done smart goals. They've gone, they're going through it mm-hmm. at that, at that route. And, and they're still ahead of most people because they've done at least that amount of forethought and planning. However, I think this is a little bit more comprehensive. And I love that you've got creative and communicated and the missing pieces, so to speak, <laughs> to, right. to smart, right? Yes. I love that. And, and I love that then by having that roadmap. And having thought through what's on the roadmap, you're then able to filter the requests. Actually, so how many, uh, this, this is another, uh, you know, you can be smart, but then you can be dumb about being smart. <laughs> <laughs> like, how big should a roadmap get is the other key question here. Because if we've still got too many things on the roadmap and we're trying to do too many things, we're going in too many directions then we're still going to end up saying yes to everything. Well, it fits the roadmap as the request comes in. It fits the roadmap. That's because you made the roadmap too broad. Yeah, sure. So length and depth of the roadmap, right? So uh, you're not really asking about length. You're asking about depth. Length, I would think, uh, you know, more detail in one year and 
through look at three years. Depth, that is going to be really a personal thing. So you'll get more adept at determining how deep that can be. The, we're talking about really the y-axis here, how deep that can be based on uh, your own bandwidth and your own ability to get things done and how much time you're spending. You know, that may be different than someone that's working part-time versus full-time or someone that's a, you know, full-time caregiver versus a corporate job. So it's that's going to vary person by person. So when you get to that state of feeling like, you know, so I use the term purposely productive, when you're feeling in control, consciously making decisions about how you're investing your time and making progress on your most important goals, then you know you've hit the right depth. Got it. Okay. And it's going to take some trial and error for people mostly yeah. to to get to that understanding of having an, an equilibrium between all of those different variables. Agreed. You know, what's the end goal here, though? I mean, is it to have more free time? Is it to get more done? Is it I'm kind of setting this up as a false you know, narrative here. It's, it's all of the above. But what does it look like to you when you're able to say yes, maybe more often or maybe you want to say yes, less often and have more time? Maybe in other words, the thing you should be saying yes to is more free time and more you time. Yeah. Well, two thoughts on that. First of all, I think we can actually get more done by doing less. Yes. I think we can get more done by doing less because we're going to be more focused. Some of the most rewarding things I've done in my life are, are when I'm fully focused on them. The other part of that, free time. So I actually wrote an interesting article recently about free time. And the title was Eliminate Your Free Time. And I love that because it's provocative, right? Yes. People are like, what do you mean eliminating from it? That's the last thing I want to eliminate. I, I want more free time. Yes, exactly. I agree. And if it's free, then other people are going to grab it. If it's scheduled thoughtfully, then it's your time. And that means, great, spend more time on yourself. Because if you take care of yourself first, you're in a better position to take care of others. Spend more time with your family. Schedule your 2022 vacation time first before you schedule the other stuff. Schedule your your hobbies. Spend more time on that. So I'm good with that. I'm advocating more scheduling. So the free time really becomes your managed time, not someone else's. Right. Yeah. I love this. I love that. And it's got that clickbait kind of uh title of, you know, you know, why, why you should eliminate your, your free time. And then people have this gut reaction. No, I want my free time, but, (laughs) but it's exactly that free time. I would still advocate, you know what, you probably still have to have some time in your days and your weeks, et cetera, that is free, that you're not planning to do anything with, but you should protect that time. So in essence, you are planning to do nothing at that time, which means it's not free time, right? I agree. Yeah. I mean, you, you get the, you get the idea right on, which is, let I me mean, maybe let's call it buffer time. Sure. Yes. There is going to be that time where something comes in and this is where reprioritizing step number four is important is having that ability of knowing when is it appropriate to reprioritize and when not. So yes, we all have those things where we have to drop what's currently on our plate, shift our focus. And address it. Maybe it's a sick family member, or maybe it's uh, an alarm, or maybe something that just needs our attention right now. Yes, yeah, and and that's prioritizing. That's reprioritizing for sure. But at least having the time 
already to be able to claim and say this time block was quote free time and or was me time in in whatever choice I was going to make to use it for myself to recharge, renew myself, etc. Something else needs it now. And I know where that fits in, whether it's a work thing or it's a relationship thing. It's on the roadmap because it's important. I can do that clear conscience and I can quickly and we'll go to the word we've we've actually not really used triage. I can quickly Mm -hmm. triage and say, I have time for that now and I don't have to think hard about it. And I love that. And if we can be a bit more conscious about what really is urgent now Right. It's it's the Eisenhower matrix, if if you know what that is, which yes. is importance versus urgent. And a lot of times urgent just looks like important. And most of the time it's not. Well said. Uh, I really think people need to do this homework. It's not easy, but I wouldn't also call it hard. I think it's just it takes some time. I think it really takes time to, to sit down. I, I would say, you know, you mentioned David Allen earlier. I would say sit down and do the brain dump that he advocates and see what comes out as far as, you know, take a look what's on your roadmap now, if you have one, which I hope you do. Uh, <laughs> and then also come up with, you know, looking at what's currently on your roadmap and maybe filtering what's already there through the seven C's to see if you've maybe missed an aspect or two there. And if so, then you've got to go down through and start to reprioritize. Agreed, Eric. I, I think it's it's time to think. Uh, it's not really hard. It's, it's no. uh, the, the hardest part is creating that space for you to think. And in today's world, we're not giving ourselves enough of that time. So that comes back a bit to what we talked about earlier, which is take care of yourself first. Give yourself time to think, to have a clear mind, because then you're better off at uh, the whole planning aspect of it. Yes. Well, I think one of the best steps then here for everybody would be put this on your roadmap and say yes to this. Go grab the book and go through (laughs) it. (laughs) Thank you. Where would you like people to go find out more about you as well as the book? And I'll link up to, you know, I actually I'll find the article about eliminating free time and I'll include that as well in the show notes and link up to all of that. But where would you like to send people? So you can go directly to when to say yes.com and uh, you'll see more about where to purchase the book and how to purchase the book, as well as some of the press coverage and also how to contact me directly. And I welcome that. I love this space as I, I th- as I know you do, Eric, it's uh, fun to talk about it. And uh, that's probably something I will say yes to because I learned too. I'm, you know, some of the questions you've asked me today, Eric, already, I'm thinking, oh, that's probably warrants a deeper dive. So we, we learn, we learn more. So yeah. I welcome that. Awesome. When to say yes.com. You'll find that in the show notes. And Don, it's been great talking with you. Can't wait to see what you come up with next. And we can dive into that. It's been a blast, Eric. Thank you. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Don Corey. I had a great time talking with him. I think you can tell that from listening in on the conversation. And if there's anything we need right now more than ever is to be thinking about how to protect our time and how to definitively give a yes to the proper requests and make sure that we're not filling up our calendar and our task lists with things that one, we shouldn't be doing, but two, aren't the most important things to be doing. If you found this episode helpful, I would love for you to do me the favor of sharing it with somebody you know needs to hear it. You can do that by hitting the share button in your podcast player app of choice. 
or going to the show notes over at beyondthetodolist.com and hitting the share button there. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next episode.